0: And welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen.
1: And I'm Jessica.
0: And today we have a special guest.
1: So we are, in addition to being really excited to be here, super excited to welcome our guest this week. We are going to be talking to Sarah Krentz from Swanky Emu Knits. And you may have heard us talk about Sarah a little bit before we met her. We learned about her work through Indie
2: Untangled. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's exciting. Where are you joining us from? I am joining you from my basement in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) My office and my studio are down here. And you have amazing plants behind you, so your basement must have good light. They're actually all fake. People can never catch it. I love it. Yes, people think I'm this like plant aficionado and that I have this whole ecosystem down here. They're IKEA fake plants. They're beautiful, but they're totally not. (laughs) I shouldn't keep telling people that. Did you have fake
0: plants prior to the world going on Zoom or is that like a Zoom
2: background? I had a couple here and there, but when, you know, pandemic happened, my wife and I both day job work remotely and I was in the kitchen, she was in a spare bedroom and I wound up making some space kind of in our basement and so figured it's an intentional space this time. I want it to be pretty behind me. I want it to be all sorts of things. So I stocked up on a lot more of the fake plants and clearly kind of have them displayed and arranged behind me. For camera, for meetings, for teaching. I love it. It just makes me happy. (laughs) You did an excellent job. Thank you. Thank
0: you. (laughs) So, we wanted to ask you a little bit about your background as a fiber person, how you got into doing this. Tell us about how you got into the craft to
2: begin with. Sure. I learned to knit and a lot of other fibery sewing, those kinds of crafts. When I was a kid, I have a somewhat crafty, somewhat practical family. So I had an aunt who taught me to cross stitch and a grandma who taught me to quilt. And my mother actually taught me to knit and she herself was not a knitter. I still, to this day, don't know how those couple of pieces like stuck in her brain. Like she showed me a long tail cast on and a knit stitch that she hadn't done for like 25 years. (laughs) But all of those kind of things were kind of going on around me. Uh, My mother and my grandmother were very prolific sewers and sewists making clothing. So I've been doing it, seeing it most of my life, but only recently in the last few years have I started designing my own stuff and putting my own stuff out there, even though I'd kind of been doing it all along. I can't follow anybody else's pattern, even when I really fully (laughs) intend to. (laughs) I can't follow anybody else's instructions. I just, <laughs> I have to change something. So it feels like it kind of just was a natural extension of dipping in and out of these crafts and and making things that I've done my whole life. That said, I'm not, I always feel like an imposter sometimes. I'm not formally trained. The way, I mean, who is, right? But my background's right. in science. My background is in education. It's It's always been this kind of side hobby thing that is gradually taking up more and more of my life, which I love so much. Yeah, it's my favorite thing in the world. Wait, what kind of science and what kind of education? Like- <laughs> <laughs> my degrees are in geology, Whoa. marine geology in particular, which is hysterical in landlocked Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you do, I, my field site was not here. And I taught in higher ed for a number of years at a university. And also, I taught a lot of test prep and some of those kinds of things. I love to teach. I love being an educator. I still work in higher ed, but I'm not an educator quite the same way anymore. It's this mishmash of lots of different things that in my head are all connected and relevant, but can seem very separate.
0: I feel like that a little bit answers one of our mysteries about how your brain did the thing with your designs. (laughs) Can you tell people a little bit about what you do with your designs? If somebody goes and buys a swanky emu knits pattern, how does
1: it work?
2: Yes. Yes. So if you buy one of my garment patterns, you essentially get a custom one-of-a-kind graded pattern just for you and your measurements. So the pattern comes with you know, the normal instructions of here's the chart, here's the yardage, here's all that good stuff. But then it also comes with a spreadsheet where you plunk in a couple of your measurements that I ask you for, things like your chest circumference or your neck or your arm circumferences, And once you plunk those in the spreadsheet, behind the scenes, the way I've written it, the spreadsheet is doing the grading, is doing the math for you. And not just taking your measurements and deciding, okay, you're a size large or you're a size small and kind of presenting that, but it's custom grading kind of each piece of the garment for you so that your neck, your arms, your chest circumference, all these kinds of things are being factored in and put together into a sweater that is the design that I've created, you know, with this amount of ease and this shape and this construction, but it is for you. You don't have to hack it to make it fit your body. That all just kind of comes automatically in the pattern.
0: I feel like that solves a problem that happens a lot with patterns because bodies don't size in uniform ways. I always think about that shirt that Jessica sewed that (laughs) you tried it on. It didn't fit you in the hips. And so I was like, oh, maybe it'll fit me. It didn't fit me in the shoulders. And we were like,
1: okay, it fits neither of us. It
0: fits neither of us in different ways. Like, because it's just people aren't, you know. Yeah. We're not paper dolls.
2: And that's certainly something in my own knitting that I have learned the hard way of I am not an off the rack size either, even if you size up to my circumferences and and things like that as a larger person, I usually wind up with armhole openings that are like twice as long as they need to be. That's a frustrating place to really have to unpick someone else's pattern and redo it too. I usually don't, because it's too annoying. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that goes on in an upper body of a pattern. So yeah, it definitely came out of somewhat of a selfish need too. I'm sick of not being able to knit this either because it's not graded to my size or if it is, it doesn't still doesn't work for the proportions that I happen to come in. So Jacqueline Seislack
0: talked about this a little bit. She did like a, she was a knit stars instructor and she talked about how for her body, it was the upper arms that was the like size definer. Yeah. So like, We're told almost all the time that you should, if you're on Ravelry or wherever you're browsing for patterns, you should use your bust circumference. Mm -hmm. But she was like, that just didn't work for me. I had to start using upper arm circumference. And sometimes designers don't include that information or whatever. I could see a situation where you would use that, but then you end up with a garment where the body doesn't fit the way you want. And so this is just a mind-blowing
2: step (laughs) beyond that. I just... I love it so much. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I have been so happy with how many other people are like, oh my goodness, I can knit something that fits me now. Or I know that it's going to. The hacking, the modifying, the changing patterns, the Frankensteining patterns together, like we're crafters, we're knitters, that's stuff that happens and that we do. um, But I like that one, it can happen automatically and it can happen on your first garment. I have a lot of folks, and this is something I didn't expect, who knit one of my patterns as kind of their first garment because they know, finding ready to wear clothing is very, very challenging or something like that. They know their proportions are different or they know they have a size piece that doesn't quite work. And so it's really cool to hear people say that, oh my gosh, I did this one first because I knew that you were considering all of those things and I knew it was going to work. So cool.
1: It's an amazing process. I think it kind of boggles my mind. And like, I trust your math and have a lot of trouble trying to wrap my head around this because I see a spreadsheet. Spreadsheets are like my sleep paralysis demon. Like they're just terrifying. (laughs) So how did you come to this method for your designs? Like, did you dream it? (laughs) Were you like, I just need to do some experimenting with my maths and the spreadsheet seems like the most organic place for that to happen? How did you do this, Sarah,
2: without giving away your secret? So the first design that I made that I felt like, okay, this is something that I want to publish, that I want to put out in the world. It was a sweater called the winter tee a couple of years ago. And so obviously i made a prototype for myself and, you know, did all this, like, this is my upper chest measurement. This is my armhole depth and kind of made this pattern that I really liked. According to all that, and then I get to the point of, okay, I'm definitely going to publish this. This is something I want to try. And I start looking at sizing charts and grading things, and basically looking at doing the equivalent of what I did to make it fit me. And as I'm looking at all the sizing charts, the information, even if I'm looking at a pretty broad range of sizes and, and inclusivity, if I would have gone a traditional grading route, I would have made a sweater that didn't work for me, which it didn't sit right. I couldn't quite get past that. And so I was staring at it and looking at, you know, well, this is the math that I use to get the circumference. This is the math that I use to figure out how many rows here and how many stitches to cast off. Why don't I just give away the math? And in the very first pattern, I actually did the spreadsheet and the math. If you look at it, it looks like your algebra homework. Um, It's like your upper chest circumference plus this rounded to the nearest even number, like this kind of thing. And then I realized also, I have taught math as part of my teaching career, and I know that can be really intimidating for people. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to scare anybody off because you approach it the way you approach it. So I decided to throw it in a spreadsheet. It's kind of the tool for that kind of thing that I'm the most comfortable with and also that I felt like was the most approachable because you could have done, you know, a programmable website or an app, or there are lots of different ways to kind of approach getting information from someone, doing a calculation and giving them information back. But I I try to keep it as straightforward as I can and and definitely something in my wheelhouse. And most folks, you know, even if they can't write a spreadsheet or don't want to write a spreadsheet, they can open it up and put a few things in and they're fine with it every computer program, every computer can open it, all that kind of ease of technology stuff. So it just morphed into that. And like I said, on that very first pattern, I actually gave the spreadsheet and the little algebra equation of where the number came from. And as stuff has gone on, they've gotten a little more complex. It's been a little harder to just show the math without like, oh gosh, that's terrifying. (laughs) So it all just kind of stays hidden in the spreadsheet. But it kind of grew from that first pattern. And after that first one, I'm never doing it any other way, but this, this works well. It works for me. It works for a lot of other people. It's challenging and fun. And this is the way I design garments kind of going forward. I can do more with the spreadsheet that I'm actually doing. Some of the figuring out how to generalize it enough so that it works for every possible measurement and kind of every possible combination of measurement. That's where it can also get tricky because you want to kind of consider all of these pieces coming together.
0: Yeah, because you would have to arrive at particular multiples at particular points. You know, if you have somebody who has a body shape that isn't well served by traditional sizing, Mm -hmm. getting from one, I don't want to say one body part to another, but if that's how you're thinking about the pattern from one body part to another and still having it be a multiple of four for the ribbing or
2: whatever feels like it would be kind of a challenge. And that is exactly it. I think it can require you to think about it differently. And I know for me, at least, that has started sneaking in earlier and earlier in the design process, because I know I'm going to have to get there. And it doesn't limit the design. I think it's just a different kind of problem solving about the design. And honestly, different solutions come out because of it, which is a lot of fun, too.
0: And we've talked a little bit in previous episodes about the process of like working with a tech editor and with test knitters and that kind of thing. And I think totally off the cuff, I said something like, we don't think Sarah could do that because she's using a robot. (laughs) How does that, (laughs) which was maybe completely inaccurate. How does that work for you? Like, what does that part of your process look like?
2: Yeah, um, so I definitely rely heavily on my test knitters for feedback and things like that. I also tech edit my own stuff currently because this is a a newer format and I'm hoping this is something that changes kind of as it evolves. But there currently really aren't tech editors, at least that I am aware of, that are in a position to tackle this. So I, yes, I wind up tech editing my own stuff. I usually do, you know, your, what is it? Your sixth grade writing teacher of like, walk away from it for a while. And (laughs) do these like good writing practice things and get it. But for test knitters, definitely one of the most helpful things that I've gotten both in letting me know, you know, hey, this part doesn't make sense or this combination of measurements actually creates this awkwardness here and lets me smooth some of that stuff out. It also lets me test the way that I'm imagining that all of these pieces come together for all these different body permutations. It lets me test that I'm correct about that. And if I'm not, it's a chance to tweak it and adjust it and fix it. It's a little different because I don't have, okay, these are my nine sizes. I need one tester for each of my sizes. So I usually wind up trying to get just as wide of a size range and as diverse of a size range. Someone who's very, very busty and someone who's very flat chested. Sometimes in test knitting surveys, I just flat out ask folks of like, when you knit, what do you have to change? Or what doesn't ever work for you? And try to make sure I'm pulling from as many of those as I can get to make sure that, you know, this actually does work the way it's supposed to. I find it so much fun. I'm in the middle of a test knit for the sweater that I'm wearing right now, Singularity Tea. And it's just so much fun for me to see what other people bring to your stuff. This one is very much mix and match a lot of skeins in your stash. And like some of the color combos and the color ordering and stuff like that, that folks are doing is like, I would have never thought of that. And that's freaking gorgeous. It's so much fun. So do you have like a tight specific
1: pool of people that you work with regularly? Or if someone were interested in test knitting for you, how would they find out when you put out a call?
2: Yeah. It's a little bit of both. As I have put out more patterns, I start seeing some of the same people interested in testing over and over again, which is awesome. Very, very good for the ego. But <laughs> if anyone is interested in testing, because I'm always, you know, looking for new voices and new opinions, on my website, swankyemunits.com, there's a newsletter sign up. And that's where I post test calls from, usually, you know, with some of the preliminary photos and, and some info, but that's the first place. And then if that is not sufficient. I often post stuff on social media as well, but the newsletter is always the kind of the first place and the first dibs if anybody's ever interested in testing.
0: Could you talk a little bit about your style inspiration? Because you mentioned when you were starting this, you know, it was the idea for a pattern and then how you wanted to do it. What does your style look like?
2: My style always feels a little eclectic to me. It's definitely very vintage inspired. I did a lot of knitting and learned to knit a lot from books, and from older books in particular. I am team bottom-up sweaters for life. I know the practicality of the top-down. I've done them. But that kind of vintage-inspired, often very clean lines, but with fun and whimsy, if that makes sense. It's kind of a mishmash I think I talked about this at the Indie Untangled event as well. I I am a very selfish designer. I design stuff that I want to wear and that I do wear and that is in my closet. And that's kind of my benchmark for if something is going to be published or going to be finished or not is if I love it and I'm wearing it. I just finished a couple this summer, actually, where neither of them worked and neither of them were me. And so they're in a drawer and they're not going to see the light of day and not be published because they didn't kind of meet that. That's how I would describe
0: it. So you're wearing a sweater that you're in a test knitting process for. Can we
2: talk about that? Yes, absolutely. This is the Singularity or Singularity Tee. It's got all these fun multicolored stripes going up and down. And my intention with it is to use it for the orphan skeins in your stash. Like the really pretty, you just had to have that one from a yarn festival, but what on earth are you going to do with it? It's for combining a lot of those. So it can be as few as three colors, but you can have way more than that. And it's this kind of boxy, it's short sleeves. I live in Nashville. I don't have an occasion for long sleeve sweaters a lot. And I also hate knitting sleeves. So it works out well. (laughs) So there's no sleeve island, which is awesome. It's a tiny, tiny bit oversized. There's a tiny bit of positive ease to it but it's supposed to be just a fun way to bring together the skeins you love, the colors you love, these kinds of feels. So there are test knitters who are doing it in just all neon. One of them described it as like her 90s Lisa Frank dream sweater. It's beautiful. (laughs) And then I'm wearing a very green tones and very earth tones, very subdued one right now. And I've realized as I've designed more things That I think this kind of thing tends to sneak into my patterns, this way to make it your own, this way to kind of make it your style statement, because that's how I knit and that's how I approach stuff so it bleeds over. But for this one, this is something I've started doing in the last couple of patterns. There isn't a specific, specific gauge that you have to hit, especially because you can use lots of different yarns and things. There's a gauge range. And in the spreadsheet, when you plunk in your measurements, you plunk in your gauge as well, your stitch gauge and your row gauge. So that's also factored in on those calculations on the back end. It's a pretty wide range, but it is a range like you couldn't make it out of tiny, tiny fingering wage or something like that. But it's nice that, you know, you don't have to do six swatches to hit what happened to be my gauge on that day. <laughs> right. I don't know, I can't hit my own gauge, so it seems <laughs> fair to, to not expect anybody else to as well. But that
1: means you could do it in like, I have some DK weight or I have worsted weight. And depending on those numbers, I could choose. Exactly. That's
2: exciting. And that said, I do have a couple testers who are doing it with fingering held double and it's working really well too. And one, I believe who is doing it like two different ones is kind of a marled. So marled and the stripes and the like, oh, it's beautiful. It's so cool. Fancy. So lots of, lots of ways still to make it your own.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was just looking to see because I picked up one of your patterns and it was the It Goes Both Ways sweater, which I am really excited about. So because it has so many options to it, what I keep doing is going, ooh, maybe this yarn, ooh, maybe this yarn, <laughs> and knitting a swatch. And so then
2: I haven't, but it's like ready. Oh, I'm glad. I can't wait <laughs> to see what you put together for it too. Are you going to go top down or bottom up? I
0: often do top down sweaters but the most recent one I did was a bottom up sweater and I
2: really liked it.
0: I might go
2: bottom up. Welcome to the dark side.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because I have a really long torso and when I leave, when I do top down, it's just an emotional challenge to actually knit all
1: the way. (laughs) So I have a question for you. Yeah. Can you tell us about the name? Do people ask you where swanky emu Knits comes from, or am they I the only do. curious one? Okay.
2: No, they do. And a bunch of people who have not met me or heard me think I'm Australian. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> so my full name is Sarah Elizabeth Krenz. It's my initials. I couldn't think of something oh. creative, and I wanted something kind of silly. It's my initials. That's all. There's no deep philosophical emu meaning. It fit the silly. It fit the whimsical. And it stuck. Definitely <laughs> so. creative. That's adorable. It does seem to stick in people's head, which is awesome.
1: <laughs> so, Sarah, do you have exciting upcoming projects or events? Are you teaching anywhere? Do you have things that you want to like spill the beans about here with us?
2: So, the Singularity Tea is is one of the big ones. This pattern's coming out at the beginning of September. That's kind of the next big pattern. Just a few weeks ago, I published not a garment pattern, not a spreadsheet pattern, but a felted basket pattern called the volunteer basket, which has been very, very fun. I love felting things. But as part of that, I am putting together some kits for it. I've been dyeing some yarn and I've got these gorgeous paper copies of the pattern and I'm pulling together some other fun goodies with it to do a couple of grab it and make your own kind of one of a kind volunteer basket kits and I'm realizing I really like dying yarn. It's really fun. I do also teach the whole sizing with spreadsheets, how to turn your pattern into this. I've got a class of that coming up in August, which is full, but I will be doing some fall winter dates and things like that. So if you keep an eye on my website or subscribe to my newsletter, you can kind of get the first dibs on those. The classes have also been something kind of unexpectedly fun and really rewarding that's come out of all this about a year after publishing the first pattern in this style and then had a couple under my belt I started looking at could I show someone else how to do this right like I will never design all of the things I want to in this lifetime I will never knit them all I will never if other folks were interested you know could I show someone how to do this I'm a teacher I broke it down it's in a powerpoint of course I can it's fun. So last summer, I started teaching. It's a four week live, very, very small group. It's like five folks at a time. And we take all of these principles and these ideas and like how to account for small size here, large size here, how to bring all this together and really how to look at your design through this lens and then make a spreadsheet, do all the math for you and for your knitters there have been about 30 folks who have taken it so far. And a few folks have started publishing their own sizing with spreadsheets patterns this year. It's been so cool to see, especially because you know, everybody comes to designing and everybody comes to this with their own style and perspective. And even the spreadsheets themselves, there are folks who are doing things with them of like, I would have never thought of that. And that's genius and gorgeous. The whole idea for, you know, choosing your own gauge and things came out of class discussions of it's math, it's a spreadsheet, sure, you could throw that in. And absolutely, it, it gets incorporated in. Teaching that and sharing some of that has been really cool and really fun. So there will be definitely more of those coming up as well. And one of my hopes, it's not fully fleshed out into a class. It's not anything like an announcement or anything yet. But because there are other people in the space now, including me, I am hoping that there will be folks who are interested in learning this and becoming tech editors in this space. Because I know that it's a stopping point or at least a slowing down point for a lot of folks who don't want to tech edit their own stuff or really want it to have that really good polish of somebody else's eyeballs on it. And it can be really hard to look at someone else's spreadsheet. And to kind of discern what's going on and pick out something that was an error that came out of it. So I think it's a slightly different thing than just designing with it. But I am hoping that as this community grows, as this becomes maybe a thing that there are people who want to sit in that tech editor space as well. So if anybody's interested, let me know. I love the inclusivity of what you're doing
0: and not just the, like on the individual knitter level, because by putting this out into the designer world, there are some people who would be able to design but who would feel like they needed a tech editor. And so this part of the process that you kind of couldn't figure out how to do for yourself, you're figuring out how to do for other people who
2: may need that in their design process. I love it so much. Thank you. (laughs) Like I was saying earlier, like folks who have not felt confident enough to knit themselves a sweater because they know how ready-to-wear sizing works for them and doesn't work for them it's very neat to see kind of new garment knitters also brought in because yeah, it's, it's this size and it's this piece that it absolutely can work. Yes. You are a clothed human being. It will work. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sarah, what's on your needles? Right now I have a mishmash of like swatches and all sorts of random things, nothing cohesive, I'm starting to work on winter design stuff, so lots of sweaters, lots of warm things. And I also have another volunteer basket on my needles because I'm putting together some video tutorials on some of the pieces of that particular pattern that I just published. But nothing more exciting than that right now, unfortunately. I have carpal Tunnel, and I've been having to do some knitting breaks lately, so there's a little less kind of going on on that end, too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I have to say... (laughs) I've been seeing the pictures on Instagram of your volunteer basket with like beautiful shots full of produce. And I just think it's so cute. I love it. I a little bit feel like I need to make one to take to the farmer's market with me.
2: Doing a photo shoot with produce was so much fun. (laughs) It's me in my backyard, like staging radishes and eggplants (laughs) and then having to eat them all that week before they went bad. Perfect. Both aesthetic and functional, right? (laughs) that's my thing that's definitely my thing
1: (laughs) what's on your needles jessica Mm, the very last bits of my outline tank not tea the tank and i have to tell you i started dropping some of those stitches and it's so much fun it's wicked fun just like pulling them apart and letting the little ladders form so i'm looking forward to finishing this and wearing it
0: i was pretty excited to watch that
1: (laughs) because it's neat right it's not often that you get to intentionally drop stitches down the entire length of a garment. So,
2: Mhm. I've loved everybody's videos of doing that. It's so cool to just like watch over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, just pull it apart. It's so good. <laughs> and you're supposed
0: to. Right, right. <laughs> it's not a mistake. I really like when designers intentionally incorporate mistakes techniques that were definitely discovered because somebody did it and went, oh no, when it happened the first time. And they're like, oh, but we can make that a feature. I love that. It brings me joy in my heart.
2: (laughs) Me too. Me too. Love it.
1: Hey, Karen, what's on your needles?
0: So I was knitting a little bit of a sock. I think I mentioned maybe last week, and then my wrist was actually pretty sore after I did that. So I was like, you know what? We're going to take some time off but I've been keeping myself very entertained because in the world of my interests outside of knitting, I am really obsessed with some 19th century Arctic explorers and there's news in that world. They just identified some artifacts from <laughs> from So like I've been keeping myself pretty entertained by reading obsessively about, about the Franklin Expedition.
1: <laughs> the best.
0: Which I like to do when it's really hot in the summer.
1: <laughs> so cold, so tragic. Yes. <laughs> maybe shouldn't have been there.
0: Right, right. They made a mistake. <laughs> but I am starting to make my plans. I'm planning. And because I think of the timing and because we were talking about it last week, I'm planning to like get back on track to be able to finish at least one sweater, maybe two for Rhinebeck, which feels like a realistic. I'm going to say that's a realistic goal.
2: It's like two months-ish. Yeah, it's two yeah. good.
0: Depending entirely on when I'm allowed to lift more than three pounds with my right hand again. (laughs) You can do it. Sarah, thank you so much for talking to us today. For folks at home, we're going to link this stuff in the show notes too, but you can follow Sarah on Instagram at swankyemunits and go to her website swankyemunits.com and sign up for her newsletter because that's where all the interesting things are
1: happening. And get some patterns. Yes. Yes.
2: My patterns are also on Ravelry. If you're more of a Ravelry person than a website person, either one um, works. Thank you so much also for having me. Yeah. Thank you. It was really awesome to talk to you today. You too. You too. I, you know, I love to talk about spreadsheets. (laughs) That's great because they're so scary. But so accessible now. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I always figure when I design something or when I do something, I love it. And so, if nobody else does, I still love it. And I, it's been so cool, so rewarding, so nice to see that it. I don't think it's just me, other people, other knitters, other designers. I'm hoping this becomes a thing. Thank you again for having me and for letting me ramble about myself. <laughs> yeah, we love it. This has been great. So, I think that's it
1: for us this week. It was so awesome to talk to Sarah. She's so smart. And what a creative way to think about reimagining how we access knitting patterns and how we can do things to make them fit our bodies the way we want them to. I smell a future knit-along. Oh, that sounds fun. Oh, speaking of our knit-along, good opportunity to check in on our summer knit-along. We are a full, whole month into this two-month process, and you all are amazing. Right, we're just at the halfway point. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you haven't joined us, you are still welcome to, there is plenty of time to crank out a ripple bralette or a sew summer top or a look at my holes as friends set or butt shorts, butt shorts, totally butt shorts. You will love them. They're so stretchy. If you're just joining us for this, we're knitting Jessie May patterns. We did all of July. We will through the end of August to join the knit along You just need to post pictures of the things that you're knitting and use the hashtag makegoodmadealong, M-A-E-D, like Jessie May, And also be following Make Good Pod and Scratch Supply Co. on Instagram and just post lots of pictures because we love watching your makes develop and unfold and seeing you model them or seeing your dog model them or whoever is wearing them. They're great. You can subscribe to our podcast on whatever your audio podcast
0: source of choice is. You send us emails. We want to answer your knitting or knitting adjacent life questions. You can send those to
1: Scratch at scratchsupplyco.com. Also, if you have suggestions for who else you want us to chat with because we love talking with fiber world people and we want to know who you want to hear from and keep sharing those pictures. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.